Like so many people yesterday, I was captivated by the proceedings in the U.S. Congress debating whether or not to censure Representative Paul Gosar for his posting of videos that suggested that he was going to cut the head off of of one of the other members of Congress and he was going to stab President Joe Biden with a sword. Needless to say, there were a lot of people who were deeply disturbed by what they saw. And so the democratically led House of Representatives in the U.S. Congress were debating whether or not to censure him. And that actually, that vote actually censured Paul Gosar. We found out today, of course, that he completely ignored it and reposted the same video. But when I was watching uh, the goings-on south of the border, I was thinking of a classroom. I was thinking about a group of students, and I'll tell you why. So the Republicans went on and on after the vote to censure Paul Gosar about freedom of expression and the freedom to do what, uh, what was embodied in the Constitution and, and that the Democrats were trying to take control over the behavior of others, which really was a debate about the role of government and the amount of control government exerts. And, and so when we look at the classroom, in order to understand where I'm going with this, I'm going to talk about what the purpose of education was. Not, according to the Greeks, but when public education first began to become a part of the life for everybody. At the beginning of the 20th century, let's say, uh, public education was believed to be necessary in order to make sure that everybody could read and write and do arithmetic. The basic skills that were assumed to be part of life in society. And at the end of the day, what it really was intended to do was to create good citizens. The idea was that it was that in the majority would graduate from public school and have the skills to participate in civic society. And then there was this group at the top who was going to go on to university and, and acquire further education. But public education was meant to, uh, to inculcate, if you will, minimum skills to make it possible for everybody to be contributors to society. Where did those ideas come from? What was girding the idea of public education? In the 17th century, 
and the 18th century, there was this ongoing debate about the state and kingdoms and kingship. And John Locke and Jean-Jacques Rousseau, English and French, wrote about the idea of the social contract, that each of us as individuals give to the state certain rights in exchange for certain benefits. When you think about it, think about we pay taxes so that we get good schools, so that we get good roads, so that we get policing and a sense of safety. So essentially what we're doing is we are ceding our freedom to do what we want, when we want, how we want, so that we can all get along in society. To get something back as citizens, we get peace and security and good government. And we, in exchange, are taught how to make a livelihood. Everybody was taught to be able to, enough to be able to apply for jobs and apply and get jobs and fulfill those jobs and become productive members of society. In public education, there were expectations of teachers and there were expectations of students. Teachers had to agree to teach a certain way and to keep attendance and to give report cards and to create assessments that would check to see whether or not students would learn. And we were expected in the 50s to manage our classrooms so that there was a minimum of disturbance. Students were required to obey the rules that the teachers set and obey the rules of the schools and to attend regularly. And there were truant officers that were employed to go out and bring people into the school. So it was a system, a closed system nevertheless, but it made sure that everybody did what they were supposed to do. Students were expected to be well behaved, to listen to the teacher, to obey the rules. Teachers were expected to maintain discipline in their classrooms, to keep good records, and to help students acquire the skills that they needed. Everybody had their role to play in this little cog. After the Second World War, and with the arrival of the baby boom generation, the expectations of schools and the expectations of teachers 
change drastically. Think about the whole beat generation and people wanting to drop out and people not wanting to go along with the expectations of society. But even then, if a student got in trouble at school, it was assumed that they would get in trouble at home too. God forbid the school should phone up and say, your child misbehaved. You would be mortified. A parent would be disgusted with their kid and their kid would be punished. So the family reinforced the behaviors expected in the school. And when students quit school at 16 because they didn't want to learn and they weren't good learners and they weren't going on to university, they went out and they got a job. I had a parent come to me in school once complaining about the poor assessments I was giving his son on activities. And I took the father and I showed him what his the son's classmates were doing and what the son was doing and how I couldn't reward the son for doing nothing when the classmates were working hard to accomplish more than nothing. And I told him then there was a time when kids could leave school at 16 and get a job in my hometown in General Motors and become productive members of society, get a job, work at that job for 25, 35 years, retire and be good parents and good citizens. But in today's world, and that still is true even more so, in today's world, it takes more than a minimum amount of schooling to be successful. But that takes us down a road I didn't want to go. What I wanted to talk about was the fact that at school, there was this system. Students were expected to behave. Students were expected to listen. Students were not expected to act out. Like everybody else, I had bullies. From time to time, I had kids who out in the yard were bullies. And how did the school system behave with bullies? Remember, I'm talking about a time when everybody went to public school. How did the school behave with bullies? We had the right to suspend. We had the right to expel. If we suspended a student, then the parent had to come with the student to the school to make amends for the bad behavior. If we expelled a student, then the student had to go elsewhere. The parents had to find another school that would take the students in. Sadly, those times no longer exist. Now, today, if the school phoned up a parent to complain about a student, 
the parent would mouth off. More often than not, the parent would take the side of the child against the school. Which led me to think about what would happen if any one of the members of Congress who are in the Republican Party had a student who was abused by somebody else in their school, in their student, in their child's school. What would they do if the child was abused by another parent or another, or a teacher or an administrator? Those parents would be down the road to the school so fast. We talk now about the fact that Part of the problem with kids being in sports is that the parents have more than enough to say about the coaches. Every parent wants their child to be a star. Every parent expects the coach to bend over backwards to help their kid. How does that square with the idea that Somebody who misbehaves needs to be punished. If somebody was on a team or in a classroom that was misbehaving, the parents of all of the other students would have more than enough to say about what should be done about that child. There would be unanimity of how to censure that child, how to punish that child, how to keep that child from belonging. And yet, those same people in Congress don't want to criticize one of their own for doing something that is contrary to what common expectations are. It's a matter of how we have gone full circle in the social contract. Whereas one day we understood we have to bend our will in order for the greater good of society. Now the assumption is I do not have to bend my will. If I want something, I'm entitled. How on earth are we supposed to deal with a world in which everybody feels they're entitled? Everybody feels they're, they're able to do what they want and they hide behind the Fifth Amendment. I don't have to tell you what I was thinking. The First Amendment, I have freedom of speech or whatever the amendment number is, I have freedom of religion. Locke and Rousseau were not wrong. For us to live productively in society, for us to succeed as a society, we have to give something in order to get something. And that has to be more than just paying a minimum amount of taxes. In today's world, the expectations of what we have to give are as much as what government has to give.
unless we start learning how to cede our control in order to look after the problems in society, we are in big trouble.